Have you ever heard of a heavyweight boxer by the name of James Tillis? His nickname was Quick. Uh, Quick was just an old cowboy from Oklahoma, and he did a lot of boxing in the early 1980s out of Chicago. And Quick tells this story of his first day in Chicago. He says, when I got in the Windy City off a bus from Tulsa, he said I had a cardboard suitcase under each arm. Arrived in downtown at the bus station, and before I knew it, I was standing at the Sears Tower with those cardboard boxes, cardboard suitcases under each arm. He said, I, I put those suitcases down, and I looked up at that big tower, and I said to myself, Chicago, I'm going to conquer you. I looked back down, and both suitcases were gone. <laughs> well, maybe he faced a little bit of discouragement when he arrived in Chicago. And friend, have you ever faced discouragement in your life? Have I ever faced it in my life? I know the Israelites are facing discouragement in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And this is all we're really going to say about the background because we're going to try to lean more toward the practical tonight. Ezra and Nehemiah are books that are written after the exile. By exile we mean the Jews were taken prisoner for 70 years in Babylon under the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. And during those 70 years, it was a hard period of service and imprisonment. And now finally, as was prophesied in Jeremiah 7, verses 10 through 13, and Jeremiah 29, after 70 years, they go back. And you would think that would be a really encouraging thing, and to an extent it is, but can you imagine as they cross that hill to see their home and see Jerusalem? Light and waste for 70 years. Their home has likely become a, a den of jackals. Israel or Jerusalem has been laid waste. The temple is destroyed. And now they've got all these things mounting up against them to overcome if they're going to be built back up as a nation. And so tonight, we're going to think about principles of encouragement, comforting the discouraged from Ezra and Nehemiah. And so if you have your Bible... Shame on you if you don't. Ezra and Nehemiah is where we're going to be looking at tonight. I also have a handout. Hope you have a copy of that. I'll ask you to write some things in on the handout as well. And I'm really, really excited to be here with you tonight. And this is such a, a practical lesson. Friend, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, that our God is the God of all comfort. And from time to time, I face discouragement, you face discouragement, and I'll assure you, Satan is doing everything possible to discourage us. And so tonight we're going to think about what can we learn to help us face discouragement and overcome it in the future. Alright, if you've got a pencil handy and your Bible in the handout, I want you to write this in under point number one. To overcome or to be comforted during discouragement, I want you to write in that we need to remember we need to remember that life is so much bigger, right in the word bigger, and more important than me. That helps me not to be as discouraged. And the passage I want you to look at is Ezra chapter 3. I want you to look in verses 10 following. Turn with me in your Bible to Ezra chapter 3. And actually we're just going to look <clears throat> at verses 10 and 11. Ezra 3, verses 10 and 11. The Bible says, When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and, and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord, according to the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang responsively, praising 
giving thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Now friend, here are people, as we've said, have got a host of challenges a host of difficulties laid ahead of them. They've got enemies, they've got critics, they've got homes to rebuild, they've got family members they've lost, their city lies in waste, and yet in the midst of all that, which could bring discouragement, here they are, they're singing, they're praising, they're rejoicing. How could they do that? They realized there was something bigger and more important than them. You ever had one of those parties? I'm not talking about a party where you got hats and streamers and balloons. But one of those parties that you sometimes throw for yourself, those pity parties, when you get down and you get discouraged and you think, woe is me, and, and sometimes we say to ourselves, I've got it worse than anybody else and I don't know why all this is happening. That's when we need to look up and we need to realize life is so much bigger and more important than me. I need to be reminded, why am I here? Why are you here? What's life about? You ever thought about those questions? I want you to think about these verses with me. Isaiah chapter 43, verse number 7. God is speaking through Isaiah, and the Scripture says, God speaking, Everyone whom I've called by my name, everyone whom I've created for my glory, I have formed him, yes, I've made it. Why am I here? Friend, I've got such a bigger purpose than to just focus on me. God says, I've been created for His glory. That's what life is about. I don't have to focus on me and, and maybe the things that happen in this life. I can look up and realize I'm here to serve and to glorify Almighty God. Think about Philippians 1.21. Paul said, For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What's life about? So much bigger, so much more important than me. Glorifying God, living for Christ. Ecclesiastes 12, verses 13 and 14. Solomon looked at life and he said, hey, let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. What's life all about? Fear God. Keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Why? God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. And so, to help us overcome, just as these people are dealing with discouragement, we can overcome it by focusing on something beside ourselves. Focus on seeking first the kingdom. Matthew 6.33. Focus on, on trying to help somebody else and do good. Galatians 6, verse 10. Do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. Try to focus on, on the real mission of the child of God. Luke 19.10. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. And so, when we face discouragement, let's realize this life is so much bigger and so much more important than just me. And if, if I scrutinize, if I get in this microcosm and I look at all my problems, friend, those are going to mount up. But if I realize there's something greater to serve, there's something bigger than me, there's something more important than this life, then I can shake the dust off, get up and get back to serving Almighty God. Secondly, I'd like for you to write this in. Here's another principle of encouragement from Ezra and Nehemiah, and it's this. Don't let the enemy... I want you to write in the word enemy. Don't let the enemy or the people of the world affect your work, discourage you in your work of the Lord. Now, the passage that our brother read tonight, I want you to look at it with me again. Turn to Ezra chapter 4. 
Ezra chapter 4. I want you to look beginning in verse number 1. Ezra chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the descendants of the captivity were building the temple of the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and the heads of the fathers' houses and said to them, Let us build with you. For we seek your God as you do. We've sacrificed to him since the days of Urshadon, king of Assyria, brought us here. But Zerubbabel and Joshua, the rest of the heads of the fathers' houses of Israel, said to them, You may do nothing with us to build a house for our God, but we alone will build to the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Now, he didn't like that statement. And watch verse 4. Then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in building, hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Friend, Israel had enemies. They had critics. They had people who didn't like what they were doing, who didn't like their God, and who tried in every way to discourage them. Does that sound familiar in any way? Christians trying to follow New Testament Christianity. Are there going to be any critics? Are there going to be any enemies? Is anybody going to try to get in the way and discourage us of really following the pattern of New Testament Christianity? Friend, there were critics and enemies then. There are critics today. And let's not let them get in the way of our serving God. You know, when I think about these ideas, I'm reminded that the ultimate enemy, the enemy who was at work then, he's still at work today, right? Satan. You remember? He walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8. I need to realize that that Satan is the ultimate discourager. You know, Satan has a, a whole host of tricks. But I'll assure you, he doesn't come to you with the ball and chain he wants to shackle you with. Satan may come in many forms. And I'll assure you, discouragement is one of the most used tools that Satan has. And so let's be, let's be ready. Let's be wary that he is going to use that against us. Let me give you some passages that remind us of the nature of our enemy. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 11. The apostle Paul said, in taking up the whole armor of God, we do that so that we can be fighting against the wiles of the devil. I like that word wiles. I think it's a really accurate description. It reminds me of uh, something from my childhood. Let me explain it to you. When I grew up, we had real cartoons. We didn't have Pokemon. We had stuff like Popeye that was really good. Uh, In fact, if you want to see some zombies in McMinnville right now, go to downtown McMinnville. There are zombies who have got their phone right in front of their face, and they're just walking around the court square looking for Pokemon. But nonetheless, that's just a side note, but nonetheless, uh, when we think about cartoons, one of my favorite was growing up was Looney Tunes. We watched Looney Tunes on every Saturday morning and they were always funny. And I remember one of my favorite was Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner. You remember those cartoons? Wiley Coyote has always got some acme product that he's trying to use to catch the Roadrunner. It always fails, but he never gives up. He never gives in. He's Wiley. That's the idea. Friend, that's Satan. Satan may, may be defeated. He, if we stay faithful, he can't win, but he's always got something he's trying to use to catch us. And discouragement 
is a big one of those. First Timothy chapter three, verse number seven. We're warned to watch out for the snares. Uh oh. We're warned to watch out for the snares of the devil also. There we go. Last Sunday night when I walked up the steps to Central, I fell and I quoted 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Take heed lest you fall. I don't know what I'll say this time. All right, so we're thinking about the devil and the Bible says he is wily, he is conniving. We've got to watch out for the snares of the devil. Uh, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2, we're to beware of his tricks, as it were, his snares that he's going to trap us with. And when we think about him using that against us, I want you to realize these passages with me. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 27 says this. Don't give place to the devil. You ever wonder why we're not to give place to the devil? Because the devil wants the biggest place. He wants the most important place. And he wants to rule my life and yours. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus in Matthew 4, verse 10. Jesus said, away with you, Satan. That's the attitude. I don't want to give place to the devil to discourage me. I want to keep him away. I want to do what the Bible says in Matthew 14, verse 23. Get behind me, Satan. And what Jesus said in John chapter 14, that Satan can have nothing in us. And so realize, there are people in this life, the enemy and people of this world who are trying to discourage Christians. Don't let them have a place in your life. All right, number three. I want you to write this in as well. What can I do to overcome discouragement? Be confident in the fact that we are under the protective eye. I want you to write in the word eye. We are under the protective eye of God who cares deeply for each of us. Look in your Bible in Ezra chapter 5, and I want you to notice what's going on in the next chapter with me. Ezra chapter 5. The Bible says, Then the prophet Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Iddo, prophets, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God of Israel, who was over them. So Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedach, rose up and began to build the house of God, which is in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, helping them. Watch verse 3. At the same time, Tataniah, the governor of the region, beyond the river, and Shethar-Bosnai and their companions came to them and spoke to them. Who has commanded you to build this temple and finish this wall? They basically said, who told you you could do this? And in essence, they're saying, we're going to tell on you for trying to do this. Now, watch verse 4. Then accordingly, we told them the names of the men who were constructing the building. Now, watch this. But the eye of their God was upon the elders of the Jews so that they could not make them cease till a report could go to Darius. Then a written answer was returned concerning this matter. Here are people who are saying, who gave you the authority to do this? Who said it was okay? And of course they had authority, but again, they're trying to frustrate the work. They're trying to discourage the people. They're trying to help them see, hey, we don't want you doing this. Maybe you ought not to. Friend, realize this with me tonight. I've got to be confident in the fact that the protective eye and care of God is over me and you. I love these words in the Bible. You ever thought about this passage much? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says this. Cast all your care upon Him. Why? Listen now. He cares for you. The God of heaven says that He cares for me and for you. 
This is why we can trust in the Lord with all our heart, lean not on our own understanding, acknowledge Him in all your ways. He'll direct your paths. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. When difficult things happen in my life, when challenges happen in yours, when, when we face that discouragement, what are we to do? Let's remember the God of heaven cares deeply for me and for you. And I'm in His protective hand. I'm under His protective care. Here's a passage I want you to look at with me. I guess if I had a top ten list, this would be right at the top. Would you look at Hebrews chapter 13 with me? Oh, so much strength and encouragement is found in Hebrews chapter 13. That's Hebrews chapter 13. I want you to look with me in verses 5 following. New King James reads this way, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Why? For He Himself has said, God Himself has said, now you listen to this, if this is not encouraging, what is? I will never leave you nor forsake you, so we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me. How do I gain encouragement? By knowing that God will never leave me. The God who cannot lie, Titus 1 verse 2, Hebrews 6 verse 18, the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13 8, has promised me and you, I'm never going to leave you. I'm under His protective care, and so are you. Now, think about a few men with me in the Bible. Men who maybe even face discouragement, but never stop trusting in God. Go back to the times of the patriarch in Genesis and you've got a man by the name of Joseph left in a pit to die, sold in slavery, finds himself in jail, looks like he might die. And in every one of those instances, what happened to Joseph? God took care of him. You meant it for evil, Joseph said, but God meant it for good. Do you remember Romans 8.28? Sounds a lot like that. All things work together for good. To those who love the Lord. Think about Daniel. Here's a great man. Daniel the prophet finds himself in the lion's den for standing up for God, for prayer, for doing the right thing. And those hungry lions didn't have a chance against Daniel. Why? God took care of Daniel. He'll take care of me and you as well. Think about people like Paul and and Jesus. Men who were... Paul was left in the deep. Jesus faced severe persecution. And in every one of those cases, God took care of them. You know, it's a, a rather brief statement, but I think it says so much. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end. God is going to take care of each one of us, and that gives us great encouragement. All right, turn back to the book of Ezra. I want you to notice this in the fourth principle that we mention of encouragement from Ezra and Nehemiah. I want you to write this in on your handout. Note that as Christians, in overcoming discouragement, we must utilize the power of God's Word to win the battle against discouragement. Utilize the power of God's Word to win the battle. Look in Ezra chapter 6, verse 14. I want you to notice specifically in this verse what made them prosper. Ezra 6, verse number 14. The Bible says, So the elders of the Jews built, and watch this, and they prospered 
through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo, and they built and finished it according to the commandment of God of Israel and according to the commandment of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. What made these people prosper? You know, some of them maybe were getting discouraged. Some of them were getting in. At times the, the, the people, the nobles and the princes maybe weren't doing what they should, we find. And yet, Haggai and Zechariah got up and they prophesied and they preached God's Word. And the Bible says they prospered through the preaching of that Word. Friend, if there is something today that will help each one of us to overcome discouragement, I'll assure you it's the Word of God. Jesus defeated Satan. No doubt Satan was trying to discourage him. And Jesus defeated Satan in Matthew chapter 4 by saying three times, It is written... It is written. It is written. Friend, if I'm going to at times when I get discouraged, pick myself up. I've got to turn to the Bible for encouragement. It is the power of God. Romans 1 verse 16, unto salvation. The Word of God is, is it's living. You know, when we think about this book, this is not a, a dead 2,000 year old book. The Word of God is living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the vision of soul and spirit, joints and morrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so let's utilize the Bible in helping to encourage us. Now, a passage that specifically speaks to that. Look at Psalm 119, verse number 50 with me. I love these, these words. Look at Psalm 119, verse 50. Does this book, does the Bible speak about overcoming discouragement? Absolutely. Psalm 119. I want you to look with me in verse number 50. <clears throat> Here's what the Word of God records. This is my comfort in my affliction. What? Your Word has given me life. Remember, it doesn't matter what the world does. It doesn't matter what I have to face. If I stay true to God, if I follow the Bible, if I walk in the light, 1 John 1, 7, if I try to live like Christ every day, Philippians 2, verse 5, in the end, no matter what I have to face, I'll be able to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joys of your Lord, Matthew 25. Now, let me make it even more practical. If the Bible has the ability to encourage and comfort each one of us, it won't do it on the coffee table or on the nightstand. I've got to open it, I've got to read it, and I've got to use it. Friend, are we really studying our Bibles like we ought to? I know there's strength to be had. I know the Bible has the ability to lift me up. In Acts 20, verse 32, Paul said to the elders in Ephesus, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up. It has that power. Are we using it? Are we studying to show ourselves approved unto God? 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. Are we searching the Scriptures daily? Acts chapter 17, verse number 11. I want to share with you another passage, one that I think is often overlooked as it relates to the power of God's Word. Would you look to the book of Job with me? Turn to Job chapter 23. If you don't have this verse underlined or marked, you sure need to. Look in Job chapter 23. I want you to see here the power of God's Word in our everyday life. Job 23. 
want you to look in verse number 12. Job said, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. Now watch this. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. What happens if you stop eating? Well, you get pretty weak. You get down. You can't go very far. Did you realize, do we realize God's word is more important than our necessary food? I'm not planning on skipping any meals tomorrow, are you? I plan on eating breakfast, I plan on eating lunch, and I plan on eating supper. And I bet you're going to do close to the same. God's Word is more important than our necessary food. Are we utilizing the Bible to gain the strength we ought to have? Alright, write this in on the next point. A big factor in overcoming discouragement is determination. I want you to write in the word determination. Determination is a huge key to success in any area of life, especially overcoming discouragement. Ezra chapter 7, I want you to look in verse number 10. Look what Ezra had determined to do. Ezra chapter 7, verse number 10. The Bible says of Ezra, for Ezra had prepared his heart. He had determined. He made up his mind. Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach its statutes and judgments in all Israel. What made Ezra a great leader, a great man of God? One who, when the people were marrying, uh, intermarrying with the nations. One when there was enemies who brought discouragement. One when the people didn't want to work. What made Ezra get up and strive to do it anyway? Ezra made a determination. I'm going to seek the law of the Lord, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to teach it. Friend, if you haven't made the determination already, and I probably think you have by now, make a determination no matter what. If Satan strives to get you down, determine not to remain discouraged. Everybody gets discouraged from time to time. The key is, I want to make a determination. I'm not going to remain in that state. And here's the good news. I have the power, and you have the power, to make that determination. How do I know that? Look in Proverbs 23, verse number 7. You know, in the world we live in, uh, people will say, and sometimes we use this uh, motto, you are what you eat. You know, that's really not exact. There's a motto that is found in Proverbs 23, verse 7, that is true. Look at these words. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What do I learn from that passage? You are what you think. I have the ability with the power God's given me and you to to overcome that. To say to myself, when I get discouraged, I'm not going to remain that way. I'm going to use prayer. I'm going to use others. I'm going to use the Bible. I'm going to use the Word of God. I'm going to stay busy in the kingdom. I'm going to do whatever it takes to pick myself up and not stay discouraged as the devil wants me to do. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. I have the ability and you have the ability to bring every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. And that means the bad thoughts, that means the discouraging thoughts, that means the good thoughts. I control what goes on in my mind and I have the ability to set my outlook and my outcome. Daniel 1 verse 8. Daniel purposed in his heart. What's that mean? Daniel determined. I'm not going to eat these things other people eat. I'm going to do what they're doing. He made a determination. Friend, make a determination. I'm not going to remain discouraged. All right, write this in as well. Here's another help in overcoming discouragement. Prayer. Won't you write in the word prayer? 
Prayer is our help from heaven in overcoming discouragement. Now watch this. We're going to turn real quickly. So I want you to take your Bible and open to the book of Ezra. And just real briefly, look at some of these passages with me. Ezra faces a, a little bit of discouragement as he deals with these things. Excuse me, uh, Nehemiah. I'm sorry, look to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah begins to face a little bit of discouragement as he faces these things, as he deals with the troubles that he's having to deal with. And I want you to notice what he does on every occasion as this happens. Ezra, Nehemiah 1 verse 5. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and your mercy, he goes on to say, attend to our needs. Chapter 2 verse 4. I pray. To the God of heaven. Look a little further. Ezra, Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O God, we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own head. Give them a plunder of their own captivity. Do not cover their iniquity. And he goes on to say, do not let their sin be blotted out from before them. Look at Ezra chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse number 14. My God, remember Tobiah and Sanballat, according to these works and the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who've made me afraid. Look up in verse 9. They are all trying to make us afraid. Their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. Now watch this. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Here's what you learn from Nehemiah. As Nehemiah faces some critical juncture where it could go either way, where the people could succeed and be successful or they could get discouraged and fail, Nehemiah takes a moment and he prays to God. You'll see him right before he goes into the king. You'll see him when the enemies come up. He gets down and he asks for God's help in prayer. And friend, if I'm going to overcome discouragement, I've got to utilize the power of prayer. I want to show you a verse that is connected directly to prayer and discouragement. It's often overlooked. Would you look at Luke 18.1? Here's just a real brief statement from the life of Jesus that I think has so much power. Luke chapter 18. I want you to look in verse number 1. One of my favorite passages about prayer helping us to overcome discouragement. Luke chapter 18, verse number 1. The Bible says, Then Jesus spoke a parable to them, saying, Watch this now. Men ought always to pray, and what? Never lose heart. What's it mean to lose heart? Get discouraged. Men ought always to pray and never get discouraged. There's help to be had in facing these struggles. Listen now. I can come boldly. Here's the privilege we have. I can come boldly to the throne of grace that we might find grace and mercy to help. In time of need, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. When I've got anxieties and cares, the Bible says, cast your cares upon me. God says, I care for you. 1 Peter 5, verse 7. The scripture says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man overcomes much. This is why we pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 17. And so, the encouragement tonight is, like Ezra, like Nehemiah, when difficult times do come, and they will, realize we have something that nobody, Christians have something, a tool that nobody else in the world has. I have the ability, the privilege, and the power to communicate with the God of heaven. Can you imagine the awesome nature of that? The God who spoke and the world came into existence. He 
get down on my hands and knees and I can pray. Our Father who art in heaven. And the Bible says we know He hears, we know He cares, and if it's according to His will, He will answer us. And so prayer is a great tool in overcoming discouragement. All right, a couple of other points and then the lesson will be yours. Number seven, I want you to write this in. Don't let outside forces set your outlook for life. Let God. Look at Nehemiah chapter 2. Too many times we let people of the world try to shape us in their mold, try to tell us what they think we ought to be or tell us how they think we ought to feel and let them influence us. Our outlook needs to be set by Almighty God. Look at Nehemiah chapter 2. Some of the same things are going on. The people are trying to be discouraged. The enemies are trying to discourage the people and uh, restoring worship, rebuilding the temple and the walls. And watch what is said in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite, <clears throat> Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them and said to them, The God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build, but you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. Here's these enemies and they're saying, they're laughing, they're saying, you're going to rebuild the temple, you're going to rebuild the wall? Who told you to do that? Who gave you authority? You can't do that in essence. Trying to discourage them, trying to belittle them, trying to demean them. And they said, God said we could. And with God's help, we're going to do it. You know, there's an interesting phrase that I learned a long time ago that I think has a lot of power behind it. It says this, Outlook determines outcome. Outlook determines outcome. What's our outlook? Who sets that? We need to let God. What's my outlook to be? Actually, it's an uplook, not an outlook, right? Colossians 3 verse 1, If then you were raised with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ is. Do not set your mind on things there. Friend, I will promise you beyond a shadow. Here's what's going to happen. If I go home tonight and I turn on the news, and if I pick up the paper tomorrow and I read it, and I look on my internet feed, and, and here's the news, and I'm watching all these things that are happening, I will assure you, just as sure as I'm standing here, I'm going to get discouraged by some of the things that are happening. Somebody's getting shot. Somebody's getting killed. Somebody's facing some horrible calamity. Do not set your mind on things of the earth. If then you're raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Let's put our outlook where it needs to be, on heaven, on God, and on things of this earth. And that will help so much in overcoming the struggles that we have. All right, for time's sake, I want you to go ahead and look to number eight. I want you to write this in. This is a real important one. <clears throat> Don't let others keep you from realizing who and whose you are. Look in Nehemiah chapter 4. Don't let others stop you from realizing who you are and whose you are. Look in Nehemiah chapter 4. I want you to look beginning in verse number 1. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse number 1. <clears throat> the Bible says, But so it happened when Sanballat heard that we are rebuilding the wall that he was furious and very indignant and he mocked the Jews and he spoke before his brethren with the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifice? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heap of rubbish, stones that are burned? 
Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and said, Whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, he'll break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we're despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads. Give them a plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity. Do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. Now watch this. So we built the wall. The entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Realize who you are and whose you are. These Jews, who are they? Well, they're just not some other tribe from out in the desert. These are the people who who God fleed from Egyptian bondage. These are the people who walked through the Red Sea on dry land. These are the people that God made a special covenant with at Mount Sinai. And friend, here's the encouragement tonight. Remember who you are. Who am I? I'm not a Jew. I didn't come through the Red Sea, nor did you, but I promise you this. God has a special people today Those people are Christians. Who am I? Acts 11, verse 26. They were called Christians first at Antioch. Who am I? I'm a son or a daughter of God, and you are too. Right? Galatians 4, verse 4. In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons. There's the idea. I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. I'm the, I'm the one that God sent His Son to die for, and so are you. And friend, God is not going to leave His children out to dry. God's always taking care of us. Now, right, we're not going to make it through all of them, but I do want you to write this last one in and then we'll be done. Number nine, and this is such an important part as I think to overcoming discouragement. Don't get distracted. I want you to write this in. Don't get distracted from the good work you can do for God in this life. Look in Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it, though at that time I had not hung the doors and the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying, now watch this, here's what they say, Come let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono, but they thought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work of God cease while I leave it and go down to you? And so discouragement is not working. Now he's going to try to bring distraction in. They say, you know, we see what you're doing. Let's meet together on the plains of Ono and let's visit. You know what Nehemiah said? Oh no, I'm not coming down here and I'm not going to meet you. I'm going to stay busy doing what God needs me to do. Friend, there's a passage that I want to close with tonight. Look in Proverbs chapter 16. There's a certain amount of principle found in Proverbs 16 that helps us to overcome discouragement. And here it is. If I'll stay busy working for God, my mind will stay where it needs to be. Look in Proverbs 16, verse number 3. Proverbs 16, verse number 3. The Scripture says this. Now you watch the connection here. Commit your works to the Lord. Watch now. And your thoughts will be established. Where does discouragement come from? Right here in the mind. Sometimes maybe we we get to thinking about things and we get to struggle with things and things face us uh, that we're not ready to deal with. And so we sit around and we think about that and we get discouraged. Listen now. Commit your works to the Lord. And what? 
your thoughts will be established. If I stay busy working in the kingdom, if I'm seeking first the kingdom, trying to save the lost, trying to do good, trying to be a good Christian example, trying to defeat the devil, where's the time for discouragement? Well, that's the whole point. If I'm busy working, discouragement can't find its way into my life. And so, friend, as always, we want to give the Lord's invitation. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Tonight, maybe you've been dealing with discouragement. Maybe things have happened in your life where the devil's got you down and and you know you're not where you need to be spiritually and you know you need to get out of that. Friend, we want to help you. We love you tonight. We want to help you. God loves you. He wants to help you in every way. If you need to obey the gospel and become a Christian or you need help overcoming things in your life, we urge you to come right now as we stand and sing.